0: Well, a little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. Have you ever run out of gas? Uh, One time I was on the way to a Presbytery meeting and I was so engrossed with what I was listening to in the car that I forgot to get gas. And I ran out on the highway, drifted off some random exit and in dress shoes and business casual clothes and a black wool coat, I ran to the nearest gas station which was about one mile away and it, it didn't help that part of the way into my journey, I realized I forgot my wallet in the car. so I had to turn around, go back to the car and, uh, and, and get that. I did some jogging, uh, looked like an idiot, exercising in business clothes and dress shoes. But once I got to the gas station, I had to borrow a, a can and put a little gas in it. And then I made the trek quickly back to my car. I put the little gas in my tank, drove back returned the gas can filled up my my tank completely and then made my way to the meeting all i needed was a little gas to get me to the station to fill up a full tank hey that is best wish i had that but a little goes a long way and the same is true of faith robust faith is best but a little true faith even if it's weak goes a long way we shouldn't aim for little and weak faith, but we who have little and weak faith should should trust in Christ amidst little and weak faith. Jesus repuked. We, we, we shouldn't aim for little and weak faith because we should remember that Jesus rebuked his disciples saying, oh, you of little faith. But if we have little faith, faith, if we have weak faith, we should realize that Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith. And that's my point today. Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, oh, you of no faith. They had true saving faith, but it was frail. It needed to be strengthened. It needed to be fortified, which Jesus lovingly and tenderly did for them. Those of little faith, we have to keep in mind, died as martyrs for the faith. When we think of people like Esther, Daniel, the Apostle Paul, William Tyndale, Martin Luther, John Rogers, Elizabeth Elliot, we think of great faith. And and we may grow discouraged at our lesser faith. But we should remember that it is not about the greatness of the faith, but the greatness of Christ Jesus working in and through faith. It is not about the power of the faith, but the power of the object of our faith. We are all weak and needy and dependent and must cling to the words of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness meaning in your weakness in my weakness faith is often misunderstood faith is not our great act of will and courage and sacrifice which which we then bring to christ faith is a gift conferred on us by god through which he lavishes his grace upon us the holy spirit works Faith in the hearts and lives of God's people as the means through which he dispenses his powerful grace. Timothy Brindle, one of my favorite rappers, he raps this. So name your need. He knows your strength is weak, but the unchanging grace of the Savior's deep. In Christ Jesus, every saint's complete. So come by faith to our faithful priest. What is faith? It's just an empty hand that receives the grace of the precious lamb. Faith is not our great act of valor and determination by which we please God, but rather an empty hand into which God dispenses the grace of the precious lamb. The Belgic Confession states the Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith that embraces Jesus Christ with all His merits and makes Him its own and no longer looks for anything apart from Him. Bold and timid faith embraces Christ, makes Christ its own, and looks to Christ alone. Be of good cheer, brothers and sisters. For Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith. Reconciling Matthew with Mark and Luke. A brief word on this. When you read this event in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll notice some different details. Some of which appear to contradict. Matthew says, the ruler came to Jesus and his daughter was already dead but Mark and Luke record that the daughter was simply at the point of death and only later as the group traveled to the ruler's house was it confirmed that his daughter had died. Another, as they traveled to the ruler's house, Matthew seems to suggest that the hemorrhaging woman was healed after Jesus addressed her. Mark and Luke say she was healed before he addressed her at the moment that she touched his garment. Now. What should we do with things like this? Abandon the Bible? No. See, the people who make the most out of the seeming contradictions of the Bible are those who don't want the Bible to be true. There are sufficient answers to these alleged contradictions of Scripture. So two brief thoughts uh, about this. First, Matthew condenses leaves details out. The girl did die in the process of the ruler coming to Jesus and Matthew condenses it and leaves out the part about the messengers relaying her death. Also, the ruler's sense in verse 10 may be this, my daughter is as good as dead, or she's coming to the end. Matthew uh, could have been noting the ruler's assumption or the inevitable. Second, Matthew also condenses the details of the woman with blood hemorrhaging. And additionally, the Greek from verse 22 is more literally, and the woman was made well from that hour. I think the ESV's phrase, and instantly the woman was made well, is a bit misleading. The sense is more likely, from that encounter with Jesus on, the woman was healed of her disease, or as the HCSB translates, and the woman was made well from that moment, which I think nicely reconciles all three gospel accounts. So just keep in mind that ancient history was written differently than it is today, and that's not sufficient reason to doubt the Bible's integrity. So a heads up here as we go through matthew's account i'll be pulling in some details from mark and luke let's begin here number one even little and weak faith humbly seeks compassion and healing from jesus verse 18 while he was saying these things to them behold a ruler came and knelt before him saying my daughter has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Jesus was still conversing with John's disciples and the Pharisees over fasting and a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, presumably a powerful and influential man came to him. Jairus was grief stricken. His beloved 12 year old daughter had died. There there isn't much that's more troubling and mournful than the death of your child. Jairus was helpless and sorrowful His only hope at this point was Jesus. He came to Jesus, knelt before him, and the word there uh, can imply worship. Did Jairus bow in humble worship or simply bow in esteem and respect for this man? Well, I'm not sure that we know, but considering he bowed believing Jesus could help him and considering Jesus responded and went with him, That certainly leaves the door open that Jairus came in true faith and worship. Either way, Jairus knelt down before Jesus in grief and hope, in humility and with open and empty hands and implored Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead jairus believed that jesus the great miracle worker and healer could not only heal his daughter of this deadly illness but also raise her from the dead matthew doesn't record this but when the messengers from jairus's house confirmed that she was dead they told jairus don't do not trouble the teacher anymore as in jairus she's dead nothing can be done and knowing the heart of this man after hearing the messenger's sad report Jesus said to Jairus do not fear do not fear only believe and she will be well Jairus's faith was fragile but there Jesus was fortifying it comforting, strengthening giving hope think back to the centurion in chapter 8. Jesus said that no one in Israel had faith like him. Why? Well, the centurion didn't need Jesus to come and touch his servant. The centurion believed Jesus possessed the authority to simply say the word and his servant would be healed. Jesus saw that as great faith. But here, Jairus needed Jesus to come to his house and to lay a hand on his daughter. He did believe But it was fragile faith, yet faith that Jesus responded to. There are times, brothers and sisters, when our circumstances in life are so intense, so painful, so grievous, that we feel that if our faith is pressed just a little bit more, it's going to shatter. But brothers and sisters we must remember that our comfort and security is not in the worthiness or strength of our faith but in the worthiness and strength of the object of our faith the lord jesus christ even tiny and feeble faith humbly seeks grace from jesus and receives grace perhaps we crawl to him But it is to Christ that we crawl, for He alone is sufficient for our needs. So so your faith is not as big and as robust and bold as you wish that it was. Are you crawling to Christ? Jesus blesses even little and weak faith. Trust Him, dear ones. Trust Him, O you of little faith. Go to Him and receive what He has for you. Number two. Jesus will always respond powerfully to even little and weak faith. Always. Sometimes the appearance of great faith is actually just self-confidence masquerading as faith. Self-confidence is not faith. Those with the greatest faith are those who recognize their own weakness and insufficiency and inabilities. but who audaciously believe Jesus will grant them power through even their meager faith, and then they will be strong. I like what D.A. Carson said, Jesus did not refuse him, but responded to faith, small or great. Take that to heart. Jesus did not refuse him, but responded to faith, small or great. Jesus responds to even little and small faith. Look at how Jesus responded to Jairus, verse 19. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Jesus responded right away. That's kindness, compassion, and love. That's who Jesus is. Jesus responded to a broken and grieving man and eventually would give a performance that would never be forgotten. A performance that would further reveal his identity and authority as the Messiah. The king would once again give a taste of the kingdom and bless people in their miserable condition. Jesus was fortifying feeble faith. But... We must be very careful how we hear this point. Less than a year ago, a certain well-known church uh, went through something very painful. A two-year-old little girl from their congregation on a Saturday morning suddenly stopped breathing and died. It's very sad. And strangely, the church launched a week-long global prayer effort for the resurrection of the little girl. That's a dangerous response to God's providence. When I say Jesus will always respond powerfully to even little and weak faith, I don't mean that Jesus will always respond immediately in the exact way that we think he will or the way that we would like him to or a way that coincides with the immediate feelings that we have. The resurrection of Jairus' daughter was a unique work in a unique time, given to the unique Son of God to, for, to perform. The kingdom had come, but not in its completeness. We know Jesus can heal. We know Jesus can raise the dead. But we must wait for the consummation of his kingdom to experience the completeness of the resurrection. And until then, we trust in God's providence. So this world is still subject to the horrific effects of sin and evil including disease and death until the return of the king. Lazarus died again. The widow's son died again. Jairus's little girl died again. These resurrections are not common. They're not normative. But they are tastes. Just tastes. A little view of what's to come. Even small faith accepts God's providence and clings to his gospel promises in life and even in death. Looking, and think about this, looking for miracles, signs, and wonders can actually be unbelief when it refuses to accept by faith God's providence. Is the power of God seen only in miracles, signs, and wonders? Much more common Is the power of Christ experienced in the peace, patience, hope, love, kindness, honesty, boldness, rest, joy, purity, thankfulness, faithfulness, and perseverance in his people. Isn't Jesus powerfully responding to you when he comforts you with the gospel when you're scared? When he transforms your anger into patience? when He rips lust from your heart and plants faithfulness and thankfulness in its place? Might our lust for signs and wonders blind us to the miraculous power of Christ working in and through ordinary means? And and I am not suggesting that Jesus no longer heals. People here today have been healed from pneumonia, influenza, polio, cancer, broken bones, injuries, even COVID-19. All kinds of afflictions. All of those healings are Jesus responding. I wouldn't call them miracles. Miracle is a precise term in Scripture. But it is no less God's power and grace to be healed by his more ordinary means of providence. But we have to know Scripture, brothers and sisters, to know what it looks like for Jesus to respond to our faith. You see, sanctification is Jesus responding to faith with power. When any of us say no to sin, when any of us matures in our faith, when any of us do good works out of love for God and gratitude to God, it is Jesus powerfully responding to our faith. A loved one doesn't need to be miraculously healed or raised from the dead for us to experience the powerful work of Jesus in our lives and in saying that that should encourage you number 3 Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith to transform and comfort us like nothing else can as i read in verses uh, as i read verses 20 uh, through 22 again i want you to pay particular attention to the power of Jesus working through faith and the tender comfort Jesus gives they're on their way to Jairus's house it's urgent the daughter was in critical condition they hadn't heard of her death yet and their journey is slowed by a woman and a crowd verses 20 through 22 and behold a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment for she said to herself If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Or the woman was made well from that hour. Now you should know more about this woman. She had a discharge of blood, presumably on and off for 12 years. She was physically anemic and weak. Her hemorrhaging also made her ceremonially unclean if anyone touched her uh, they would become ceremonially unclean as well she was excluded from jewish worship and much social life she spent all of her living on physicians and was no better in fact her condition got worse mark says she suffered much under many physicians luke adds she could not be healed by anyone The medical community failed, science failed, research failed, medicine failed, her money ran out, her condition got worse. This woman was desperate, but she had heard about Jesus. This woman was also a bit superstitious. If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. I know I shouldn't, but I'll fight through the crowd to get to him. I'll touch a tassel on his cloak and I'll get better. The Mosaic law required four tassels on a Jew's cloak to remind them to keep God's law. She may have been thinking of one of those tassels or simply just the edge of Jesus' cloak. D.A. Carson noted, quote, "...moved in part by a superstitious view of Jesus, she struggled through the crowd, which, be, which because of her unclean condition, she should have avoided." End of quote. She was a bit superstitious, but she also had true faith, which Jesus validates in verses, uh, in verse 22. She had little and weak faith, faith mixed with some superstition, but true faith nonetheless. And Jesus extended his power to her, transformed her, and comforted her. She made it through the crowd, perhaps crawled her way to Jesus, came in from behind him, touched his cloak, and was immediately healed. Jesus sensed his power going out to this woman. Jesus asked, who was it that touched me? A crowd was pressing in on him. Of course he was being touched, but this one touch was different. Divine healing power went from him to the hurting toucher. It may seem odd that Jesus being God asked, who was it that touched me? But as he does in other places, Jesus didn't ask because of his ignorance. He knew I think he asked for the benefit of the woman and the people around him. He was making the woman come forward in order to transform her life and comfort her. Let me explain that. First, the woman was ceremonially unclean. The people needed to know she was healed and that worship, religious life, and public life were now open to her once again. Her healing changed her life. Second, the people needed to know about the healing and redeeming power and authority of Jesus the Messiah. It was another opportunity for them to experience his identity and authority. Third, he wanted to acknowledge the woman's little and weak faith and to fortify it, strengthen her, comfort her in salvation. Attention was on the woman. No more secrecy. She came to Jesus trembling. and She fell down before him. She told the truth, declared in the presence of everyone why she touched him, and that she was healed. So everyone is alert and keyed in on what Jesus was going to say. As I said before, Matthew condensed the details, and it seems he was focusing on what Jesus said to her. Jesus' words are the diamond in the setting. He said to her, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. He comforted her, take heart, be of good cheer, daughter, how tender and affectionate. And he was drawing attention that it is through faith alone that the blessings of the kingdom come. No one could heal this woman, no one. Every physician failed, science failed, medicine failed. In fact, it all made her worse. In one brief encounter with Jesus, she was completely healed. Because his power went to her through faith. He endorsed her faith by saying, Your faith has made you well. Now, be very, very careful with how you hear that phrase. Some people hear that and assume that faith itself contains the power to heal. As if healing always responds to our will if we just have enough faith. Just believe and you'll be healed. That's very dangerous. That's superstition, not faith. That's the poison of the word of faith movement. This takes very, very careful thinking. Listen carefully. Her faith had no power at all. The power was in the object of her faith, and her faith was the God-given means by which the power and blessing of Jesus came to her. If she had no faith, Jesus would not have dispensed power to her. Faith is a prerequisite for kingdom blessings. You won't be blessed by the king if you rebel against the king. But if you humbly approach him, trust him, adore him, revere him, submit to him in spirit-wrought faith, then he'll bless you through faith. The faith is not the power. The power is God working through the faith he grants. One source said, her faith has made her well because the blessings of the kingdom come to those who look to Jesus for the solution to their problems, not because of any power of faith in itself. Faith is the necessi- necessary channel through which the blessings of God flow. And God gives faith in order to bless through faith. This might help. We say people are justified by faith alone. But see, to be most precise, it's not the faith itself which justifies. Christ justifies through faith. God imputes Christ's righteousness to the believer through their faith. Faith doesn't save. Jesus saves through faith. Faith is the means by which Jesus grants salvation. Do you understand? This sick woman's faith didn't heal her, nor did her superstition. Her touching didn't heal her. What Jesus meant is that he healed her through her faith. How do we know that? Well, it's actually quite simple. Mark tells us, and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. There it is. Power had gone out from him. There was no power in her faith. It was the power of Jesus dispensed to her through faith, through her little, weak, and imperfect faith. John Calvin is really good. I I think you should read John Calvin. If you haven't read John Calvin Give him a shot. Pick him up, read him. He's very, very helpful. And Calvin said this, quote, This agrees with what I have lately noticed, that God deals kindly and gently with his people, accepts their faith, though imperfect and weak, and does not lay to their charge the faults and imperfections with which it is connected. End of quote. Jesus accepts true faith, even if it's little and weak, and he works powerfully in and through it. Jesus called attention to this woman to love her, to assure her, to comfort her, to give her life. I don't think Jesus simply healed her body, but by his power, he healed her soul. He was giving, she was receiving. That's how it goes with God's grace through faith. And after this miraculous healing, Jairus, finds out his daughter is dead. They delayed. Now she's dead. This is when Jesus tells him right after healing the woman, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. When the Messiah tells you, do not fear, only believe, and all will be well. Saints, it will be well. Even if a doctor could heal you, it would only delay the inevitable and wouldn't give you the comfort that the gospel gives you for the gospel alone promises complete healing of body and soul in Christ. Number four, Jesus is the son of God and the Christ who possesses infinite power and compassion and is worthy of our complete trust. Matthew includes these incredible accounts to tell you that Jesus is God's son, God's promised Messiah, the son of Abraham, son of David. We need evidence to believe it. Matthew wants us to see Jesus's unrivaled power, his tender compassion, so that we trust him completely. Our faith should not waver, but it does. It does. And Matthew's gospel is reason enough that our faith should not waver, should not be little and weak, but should be big and robust and enduring because Christ is that good. Verses 23 through 26. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. They got to Jairus' house. The funeral had begun. In those days, professional mourners were hired for funerals. At least two flute players and one wailer. Someone someone to weep. Imagine if that was your job. Hey, we'll pay you if you just come and show up and, and just wail really loudly in grief. Back then, funerals were very different than ours today. They were noisy and grand displays of grief. A crowd had come, and it was a loud commotion. Jesus told them to go away. Why? They weren't needed. Life was happening, not death. When he said she was sleeping, they laughed at him with, with scorn. They mocked him. Here this healer had come too late and thought he knew what was up. Did he know better? She was dead. They confirmed it. He directed them out. Jesus only allowed five other people to be with him to watch him work. Jairus, Jairus' wife, uh, Peter, John, and James. With tender power, Jesus took her hand and spoke, little girl, I say to you, arise. Her spirit returned, obeyed the command of Christ and returned to her body. She got up at once. She began walking around. Jesus directed that she be given something to eat. How aware he was of people's needs, a child would be hungry. He also strictly charged them that no one should know about what happened. Imagine how Jairus and his wife felt. Imagine how the girl felt. Imagine how Peter, John, and James felt. Imagine how the town felt when they realized the girl was alive again, especially after they mocked Jesus. Jesus, who had healed every disease and every affliction among the people, who cast out demons, who calmed a raging tempest, now raised a girl from the dead. What limits do his power and authority have? Clearly none. And that's Matthew's point jesus is the son of god and the christ who possesses infinite power and compassion and is worthy of our complete trust what might jesus do in and through our little and weak faith i believe the people around jesus had little and weak faith even his disciples but jesus through experiences like the woman with blood hemorrhaging and this little girl was graciously fortifying their faith with his power and authority. So what I'm trying to say is this. Number five, Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith. Is the essence of faith, okay, here we go. I need to do this. I need to trust. I'm not trusting like I should, so I need to go to work. I will trust. I will be strong. I've got this. I don't think that's the essence of true faith. I think the essence of true faith, even great faith, is like, okay, I am weak. I'm doubting. I don't have this. I can't do this. I'm so scared, but Christ has me. I'm so glad that Christ has me. Christ is strong. Christ is fearless. Christ is sufficient. Christ is all-powerful. Christ will come through for me because he loves me, watches over me, will care for me no matter what. He will preserve me so I will make it. That's faith. We sing these profound lyrics because they're true. When I fear, my faith will fail. Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. When our faith is little and weak, Our Savior isn't. I've found J.C. Ryle to be quite eloquent and helpful. Listen to the comfort that Ryle gives, and then I'll close. Ryle says Our faith may be feeble, our courage may be small, our grasp of the gospel and its promises may be weak and trembling. But after all, the grand question is, do we really trust in Christ alone? Do we look to Jesus and only to Jesus for pardon and peace? If this be so, it is well. If we may not touch his garment, we can touch his heart. Such faith saves the soul. Weak faith is less comfortable than strong faith. Weak faith will carry us to heaven with far less joy than full assurance. but weak faith gives an interest in Christ as surely as strong faith. He that only touches the hem of Christ's garment shall never perish End of quote. Wow, dear saints, Jesus works powerfully through even little and weak faith, even your faith.